It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Mayor of Kingstown, a new Paramount Plus original series. Kingstown, Michigan, where the business of incarceration is the only thriving industry. From the co-creator of Yellowstone, Taylor Sheridan, Mayor of Kingstown features Jeremy Renner, Diane Wiest, and Kyle Chandler. Stream it now exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. To try it free, head to ParamountPlus.com. We are one sleep away from the Governor's Cup between the Louisville Cardinals and the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll have that all that covered on both ends of the spectrum in this special crossover episode between the Locked On Louisville and the Locked On Kentucky podcast. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome into this special crossover episode between the Locked On Louisville and the Locked On Kentucky Podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by NetSuite. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. Head to netsuite.com slash locked on NCAA for special end of year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. What's going on, everyone? I am the host of Locked On Louisville, Dalton Pence. Um, I guess joined by my friend and co-host of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dow. How's it going, man? I think I mispronounced your name again. It's all good, man. It's 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 Dow, <laughs> Dow, Tomato, Tomato, whatever you want to call it. I'm doing <laughs> great, man. Ready to talk some uh, Governor's Cup with you. Really excited about this matchup this weekend. I believe Bet Online is favoring the Cardinals at home, and that is something I'm definitely concerned about because yeah, last time right. I, I last time I doubted Vegas, it was the Mississippi State game for Kentucky, oh, no. and I was so confused. And we all saw how that turned <laughs> out. So if uh, if uh, the odds makers know something in this one, it's got me concerned. Yeah, no kidding. But um, we're going to take take a step back and kind of look at this matchup from uh, the general view. But I'll, you know, kind of you know, talk about it from the opposite ends of the spectrum per se. We'll you know talk about the Kentucky side of things. I'll ask Lance a bunch of bunch of questions in the first segment. Second segment, we'll flip the script on its head. Talk about Louisville, and then um, in the final segment, we'll talk final implications for this game. But before we get into the show. Um, I want to plug us both into our social media. You can follow my Twitter at Depence underscore and the Locked On Twitter page or Locked On Louisville Twitter page is at LO underscore Louisville. Lance, do us a favor, plug us into your stuff and Locked On Kentucky. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Daw Pound, D A W E P O U N D. And then you can follow the. The, uh, the Locked On uh, Kentucky Twitter, at Locked On UK. And eventually, I'll get to posting some social media content on there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, for those who are not aware, Lance, actually, um, I think lo- was Locked On UK, like, Locked On UK was a thing. Like, uh, did they just switch over hosts? How was it dormant so, for a while, and you kind of resurrected it? How how'd that come about? It was dormant for a little over 16 months, I think. It was hosted by Kyle Tucker, really big name in the Kentucky mm-hmm. sphere, and I took over a week and a half ago. So it's uh, I'm, I'm brand new to this, but really excited to get the journey started, man. 100%. Well, the first thing I want to ask, you know, Kentucky coming in a three-point underdog. Um, w- when you look at this matchup, is that something that you kind of think is on par? Or are you just kind of like... Louisville's favorite in this game when you first saw the line what was going through your mind 
Well, initially, whenever I first saw the line, like I was just saying a minute ago, it's like, okay, I've got to do a little bit of research to kind of see because last time I checked in with the odds makers and I was a little confused, a little shocked. It was that Mississippi State game where the Bulldogs were favored by one, two points at home. I, I dug a little deeper into this matchup and it looks like whenever you look across the board, just looking at the way these teams are playing football right now, I can understand why Louisville is favored at home. Kentucky has had a relatively easy schedule so far this season. And as of late, they've not been beating teams that are, I believe, 500 or better or are going to a bowl game. They're 0-3 in, those pa- in their past three matchups against teams that are going to a bowl. Louisville, obviously, it's at home. It's at night. It's a hostile environment. It's a rivalry game. And I think that all of those factors combined, I can understand why the Cardinals might be favored at home. Initially, though... I was really surprised at the fact that it, 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 I believe it might have even opened at one, but it's steadily grown to three. But yeah, it's uh, it. I can understand it now that I've kind of looked into it a little bit more. Yeah, and I got to be honest. Um, you know, this is a podcast that was formed of August second, so my my very you know ever since it's been you know just straight football, and I've been very adamant on this show when talking about predictions and um, just the overall schedule as a whole. You know, I always had this game circled as a loss. Um, I thought that it was going to be a lot like 2019, maybe not necessarily 45-13 bad, but you know Kentucky is what Louisville is not. I mean, Louisville may beat better teams than Kentucky, but Kentucky matches up very well with the cards in the trenches, in, in the running game. Um, but I want to ask about that strength of schedule because that's something that's come up along the Louisville Twitter spheres. Oh, hey, Kentucky's um, you know, all not all that good because they haven't beat anybody. But in the same line, I mean – Kentucky shouldn't be at fault for Florida and LSU having historically down seasons. I mean, how do you, how do you, you know, judge this strength of schedule and kind of gauge where the team is at through eleven weeks with the schedule that you're kind of like, okay, it's outside of Georgia, it's kind of very bland this year, right? Well, I think as a Kentucky fan, you know, I'm pri- we're prideful of the fact that we beat Florida, obviously. We're prideful of the fact that we beat LSU. Those wins, you can't take that away from us. You can't take away the- from the fact that we beat those name brands. But you're exactly right. Those teams are most certainly having down years right now. The fact that both of their head coaches have been let go speaks to the state of their programs. They're not in good places. Kentucky got them at the right time early on in the season. They got them whenever they were a little shaky, a little unprepared. And so I think when you look up and down the schedule, you've beaten teams like Missouri and South Carolina. But other than that, I mean, the schedule has been incredibly weak. And I have been impressed at moments with the way that I've seen Kentucky play football. But as of right now, they're on a little bit of a skid against, like again, like I said earlier, against teams that are... I would get. I guess I would say legitimate competition. Obviously, you lose to Tennessee, Mississippi Georgia's State. Georgia's not that Georgia. good this year, man. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, man, they may struggle in the postseason. We'll just have to see what of course, happens. Yeah, for sure. Not, not yeah. all-time greatness. But when you look at those three games, like uh, what, what's the difference? What went wrong in that little three-game stretch between Georgia, Mississippi State, and Tennessee? Was it just a matter of you know just playing better competition, or was there something or a couple things that Kentucky was or was not doing? that um, that kind of led to that skit. I know that turnovers have been an, a recurring issue this year. Is there another like trend that you, you don't like to see that's kind of reared its ugly head in that time? Well, I would say in the Tennessee game, it was an exception because Kentucky was able to do essentially whatever they wanted to on offense. It was the defense that really surprised you in that matchup. But the two games prior between against Mississippi State and against Georgia – 
Obviously, Kentucky was not able to be as efficient as they wanted to on offense against Georgia. Was They were not able to run the ball as much as they would have wanted. Chris Rodriguez was essentially kept out of that game. He essentially was not able to do anything. So I think not only were the turnovers, which have been an issue for Will Levis, specifically the quarterback so far this season, not only were those a factor, but I think Kentucky's inability to establish the ground game, both against Mississippi State and Georgia, to the point where they could have had a legitimate shot in that game, it was, it was taken away. So I definitely think that was another trend. And then also, I think just when you look at those teams post and pregame, it's like, okay, I can understand why Kentucky wouldn't match up with these teams well, right. as opposed to another team on their schedule that they played, like Missouri or South Carolina early in the season. I mean, like, nobody's going to beat Georgia. Mississippi State caught fire at the right time at the end of the year. They've been so yeah. weird this year. They've been up and down, and Kentucky just caught them on the road. The defense, I think Zach Garnett, the defensive coordinator for Mississippi State, He's really knows his stuff. He's a beast. He's a, he's he's a really beast. solid guy. And they're operating without a lot of talent, which is uh, which not as, not as much talent as maybe as some of the other places in the SEC, which is really impressive to me. But again, in that final game against Tennessee, I think it was kind of weird, kind of an anomaly. I know that Tennessee's offense is good, but giving up that many points at home when the time of possession was so skewed in Kentucky's favor, it was just really shocking to me. So there definitely have been trends, obviously turnovers, not being able to run the ball. But overall, I think it's just getting beat by a better opponent in those in the course of uh, over the course of those three games. Of course, of course. And the last question I got for you, you know, ever since Mark Stoops has been at Kentucky, you know, the offense has been bland, so to speak. Whether they want to, quote-unquote, put the you know the air raid in or have a guy like Eddie Grain in, who a lot of Kentucky fans weren't necessarily too fond of. But enter Liam Cohen from the Rams. You bring Will Levison from Penn State. And this offense looks completely different from anything we've seen in the Mark Stoops era. What makes this Kentucky passing attack, you know, so much different um, from what – what they've done in years past. I mean, you enter a lot of new guys like Wondell Robinson, who he's absolutely incredible with what he's been able to do. What what's what makes this Kentucky passing offense that much more challenging to game plan for? Well, I think schematically what Kentucky has suffered in the past is a lack of a consistent passing game like you just mentioned. And I think something that I was harping on at the beginning of this season is Kentucky needs, they don't need somebody that can go out there and throw for 400 yards a game. They need a game manager to complement that rushing attack with Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke, and they've gotten that in Will Levis. Sure, he's been turnover prone every every now and then this season. Sure, he likes to eat bananas with the peel on. That's a little bit weird, but we'll take it. But he has been that game manager that, that for... Really? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it was a big thing earlier on this year. He also he likes to put mayonnaise in his coffee, which uh, which is also a foul, on, in my bro. opinion. He's uh, on, he's. He, he likes some interesting food combinations, but he's been a game manager for Kentucky. And then, like you mentioned, Wondell Robinson, the transfer from Nebraska. I mean, when you get a guy like him into your program, it becomes less about scheme and more about how many ways can we get Wondell Robinson the football because he's just a fantastic playmaker in space. You also have Josh Ali. He's another guy to look out for. Kentucky's been able to stretch the defense, I think, a little bit better with Will Levis this season. But again, all they've needed was a game manager all this time, and they got one in Levis, and also he can throw the deep ball a little bit as well. That That's Lance Dahl. Uh, did I pronounce it right that time? I feel like I keep messing it up. Yeah, you're good, dude. Kentucky you're aficionado. Good. I love getting the opposite you know, end of the spectrum and how, how other people see things, especially from uh, other media and fan bases. Before we get into the Louisville aspect of the show, I want to talk to you about our title sponsor, NetSuite. So imagine this. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. 
Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. It's the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, etc. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. 93% of survey businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite, over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash NCAA. Head to NetSuite.com slash NCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash NCAA. All right, so we... Talked everything about Kentucky. I want to focus now uh, into the Louisville side of things. Before we get into that, I want to say thank you. It is post-Thanksgiving. I want to say thank you to everyone listening for making this special crossover pod between Locked on Louisville and Locked on Kentucky your first listen of the day. And just a reminder, it's free on all streaming services, five days a week, now on YouTube. But Lance, the floor is yours. I'm an open book uh, for the most part. Anything you want to know about Louisville, shoot. Well, the first thing I want to start off with is I think the most dynamic player on the Louisville roster, Malik Cunningham, 18 passing touchdowns, 18 rushing touchdowns this season. The other day on my show, and I did not mean this as a slight, I called him a great value brand Lamar Jackson, but he is certainly an electrifying player. He's been phenomenal. I believe he had some highlights just the other day that I was watching. He is so fantastic in the open field. He really makes this Louisville offense go. I believe they're second in the ACC in rushing yards per game. How do you see him, and how do you see this rushing attack specifically matching up with the Wildcats? Malik who? <laughs> Malik, I mean, he is uh, I don't take that as a slight, you know, great value Lamar Jackson. Put it this way, there will never be a Lamar Jackson. You know, Lamar right. Jackson's one of a kind. Um, and I, what I tell people is for Malik Cunningham to come into the program in such a short time after Lamar. I mean, he was here on Lamar's last year. And uh, to be able to, um, you know, have that, um, you know, overall there, yeah, I think it's huge for um, you know, the program. But in, in terms of how that matches up with Kentucky, I think that Scott Satterfield all season long has done a great job with you know kind of tailoring this offense around Malik Cunningham's strengths. I mean, he's not a guy that's mm-hmm. regularly, regularly going to throw for 400 yards a game. I mean, whatever you get from him in the passing um, column, I think, you know, it's, you know, there's a limited ceiling. He's a guy that you, you, he makes stuff happen with his legs. In terms of Kentucky, um, I, I think that it's going to be more so on him as a passer because I am really fond and res, you know respected. Uh, you know, I respect that front seven. You know, DeAndre Square, uh, Jacquez Jones in the linebacking core, and the, you know Josh Pascal. I believe is is Marquan McCall. Is he back? Uh, I believe this week. I don't know if he's back. I don't know if he's back. No. Well, regardless if he is or not, I, I think that um, yo Malik's going to have trouble at times rushing the football. Uh, Louisville's mm-hmm. offensive line has done really well this season, but it's going to be a matter of utilizing um, and breaking down a Kentucky passing defense that has kind of struggled in the second half of the season. So it's really just going to be a matter of taking what the defense gives them and you know, executing, so to speak. 
Right. I believe this Kentucky passing or this Kentucky or I'm sorry, Louisville offensive line is first in the ACC in sacks allowed. They've only given up 17 sacks so far this season, I believe. Really solid O-line. What do you expect to see out of this passing game and who are some of the guys that Kentucky fans should expect to see get into the action on Saturday night? So one thing that Louisville is really good at this year is they have a lot of um, guys in that um, wide receiver room and in the tight end room um, that they kind of go throughout. There's no number one wide receiver like a Wandell Robinson, but um, Jordan Watkins, the Louisville native, there is um, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Tyler Harrell, very uh, quick, twitchy guys. Don't necessarily have kind of a, um, a Devontae Parker go up and get him like a Seth Williams um, for Auburn fans. Um, so it's – I could see any of those guys. Marshawn Ford, uh, the tight end, who is asked to do essentially a little bit of everything. I could see him kind of getting into. But for Louisville fans, I think the the running you know punchline is okay. Which wide receiver is going to to ball out this week? I will say, true freshman Amari Huggins Bruce has been doing really well um, in the past two weeks. So I, I would assume uh, you know Satterfield and company are probably going to get him the ball more, so to speak, this week than the past two. Obviously, some of the big names for Kentucky, Chris Rodriguez, Wandell Robinson, those guys are going to be getting the ball a lot for Kentucky, I believe, in this game. As a Louisville fan, who do you perceive to be the bigger threat against this Louisville defense, Chris Rodriguez or Wandell Robinson? Well, it's weird because I am really frightened by that Kentucky rushing attack. I mean, I think Chris Rodriguez and Cavassier Smoke is one of the best running back tandems in the country. And not, not to mention that veteran-led offensive line. I mean, there's draft picks all over that front. So I mean, that's very a daunting. That's a very daunting task. Um, however, you know, statistically, Louisville has done very well in in the rushing category. They held Sean Tucker and Mateo Durant to under 100 yards each. In the past two weeks, both of those guys came into those respective matchups. Um, top 10 um, in different placements in terms of rushing yards. Um, I think I'm definitely more frightened for Wondell Robinson just because you, you alluded to it. Liam Cohen uses him in a lot of different ways, whether that's in vertical routes, jet sweeps, um, you know, screens, you, you name it, over the flat. Louisville is a little bit banged up in the secondary without their top cornerback, Kittrell Clark, who got hurt um, you know, midway through the season. Their passing defense has, has struggled, kind of like Kentucky's, and I could definitely see Wondell Robinson having five catches for like three touchdowns and him just taking it to the house. So definitely uh, my fear lies in trying to contain him, but I'd, I'd argue I, I'm equally as worried uh, about Josh Ali because you have to you, you put so much focus into Wondell mm -hmm. that you leave you know a, another very quality wide receiver open and, you know, UK finally has a competent quarterback, and that's, uh, that's definitely a scary sight. Well, talking about that competent quarterback here for a second, Will Levis, do you expect Louisville to send pressure at Will Levis, and do you, affect Louisville, do you expect Louisville to try and affect him in any sort of way to maybe create some of those turnovers that he's been prone to having so far this season? Yeah, I mean, I think through a painful, painfully um, you know, rough process of trial and error the Cardinals uh, and defense coordinator Brian Brown has realized when he brings more pressure I think the defense is more um, you know able you know, it's better you know put in a position to succeed there are some issues of rushing three and dropping eight early in the season it just didn't work yep. and I, I feel like the Cardinals do that sometimes but more so they're bringing pressure Yasir Abdullah is having one hell of a year for the Cardinals uh, rushing after the quarterback he's got nine sacks on the season I definitely think they're going to try to speed Will Levis up and try to, at the very least, get him to make decisions just that much quicker. Um, you know, yep. try to force, you know, try to force turnovers. 
I'll just go ahead and tell you, I live down here in Auburn, Alabama, and after seeing Derek Mason's defense, I completely understand what you say whenever you say rushing three and dropping eight does not work. I I completely feel that. I resonate with that one right there. It's lost us some games this year, put it that way. It's been frustrating to watch whenever you let three quarterbacks have the game of their career uh, with your with your middle eight coverage. Okay, you asked me earlier about the line. Three in favor of the Cardinals. Were you surprised at that line at all? 100%. I thought Kentucky was going to be favored by about at least three points. Like I said, mm-hmm. I came into this matchup believing that Kentucky was going to win. I mean, all season long, it's been a win in my opinion. I, I get the strength of schedule argument, but um, like I said, I think that the, the Cats match up well with the Cardinals. And at the end of the day, I've, I've gotten a lot of heat for that. Like, Wolf fans like, you're just pessimistic. I'm like, no. I'm just telling you my real, honest opinion and not trying to be biased. I mean, I, I, yeah. you can never have it both ways. Yep. All right, so. one more question here, and then we'll sure. move along in the show. Do you expect – how much do you expect the home crowd to be a factor in this matchup? Obviously, it's going to be at night. Like I mentioned, we're going to talk about the stakes later, but how big of an impact do you think it's going to be, specifically on this Kentucky offense? Do you think it rattles them at all? Full transparency? No. Um, you know, the, the attendance hasn't been the greatest. Um, you know, there's a lot of the fan base has kind of checked out on Scott Satterfield, so to speak. Um, you know, and that's, that's just kind of one of those things that it just goes to show you really can't make Louisville fans truly happy. Um, they're, they're always complaining about something, uh, 730 a night game, cold Thanksgiving weekend. I think it's, it's going to be a respectable turnout, but nothing that's going to like, you know, this is a team in Kentucky that's played in SEC stadiums. You know, they're used to. Um, at, at the very least, a competent crowd. So I don't necessarily think it's going to be that big of an issue. Maybe on third down, but it just kind of depends on the crowd. I'm really hoping that we do get a good at- atmosphere, though, because I believe this is going to be, going to be, be it's going to be a cold game, but it's going to be a really, really fun game. We're going to talk about the stakes and what this game means to both these programs in just a second. But I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Bet Online. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means: football. And nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has you covered all holiday season. They've got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving, so head over to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code LOCKEDON. And it's not just football. BetOnline also has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Obviously, Dalton, you and I both know as Kentucky and Louisville basketball fans, very much so important to us betting on college hoops. You do not want to wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. All right, yes, so yes. go ahead. No, go ahead. All, all right, man. so wrapping up today's awesome crossover episode, uh, just kind of giving our thoughts here on what this game could mean to both these programs. Obviously, just now you were discussing how Louisville fans have kind of checked out on Scott Satterfield. Elaborate on that. What could this win mean for Satterfield? Is his, is his job at all in question right now with the 6-5 and five season? Well, I think that if you would have asked me two weeks ago, I would have said yes. Um, yeah, I think the uh, – it's kind of it, – it's we're in a little bit of a crossroads because there's a part of the fan base that says, I don't care what this guy does, I just don't think he's the answer. And then there's other parts of the fan base, which is the more reasonable part of the fan base, that says, you know, we just need to see some results. I, I, I tell people the worst thing Scott Satterfield could have done was come into Louisville year one and win eight games because the expectations go from here – 
to you know out, out of the picture. So when you have a four win season last year in the COVID times, um, fans kind of get a little angsty. And um, then moving on to this year, they've lost some very close games that they probably should have won. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this team realistically should be about nine and two. I mean, they blew a seventeen point game to Virginia, um, blew a big lead to Clemson, um, should have beaten Wake Forest. You know, etc. So there's a there's a handful of games that you know Louisville fans have really kind of um, you know built a case against Scott Satterfield, so to speak. But I think a win against Kentucky would would do wonders for the fan base, just because it's a win over a rivalry program, um, and you know you're seven and five, and it's it's really hard to complain truly about that for Louisville or you know Kentucky, you know, so to speak. Um, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say he's on the true hot seat. Um, if he loses this game, but, um, you know, people are wanting Jeff Brom back. There's been, you know, rumors, um, you know, swirling through that speculation, but it really just depends on who you ask. I'm kind of, uh, in a wait and see approach with Satterfield. I'd like to see more in year four yeah. when he's got all of his guys in. Um, but as of right now, the fan base is kind of torn and, uh, but a win on Saturday or a win tomorrow, I should say, would, would, would go, into you know the category of being not necessarily job saving but a big morale booster for Kentucky. There's been speculation, you know, Mark Stoops being rumored in the LSU and Florida um, job hunt. Um, for you know, albeit I, I've checked with some people, um, got family down in Baton Rouge um, that are that are close to the university, saying that that he's not necessarily that serious of a candidate at LSU, but his name still is being mentioned. Uh, I'm more concerned. If that Miami job pops open, which I think it probably will eventually, is there, you know, if, if you know, Stoops wins this game, I mean, you're looking at what, yeah, 10 wins or nine wins on the season uh, with yeah. a possible 10 wins. I mean, is there a chance you think that Mark Stoops could be out of Lexington if the right opportunity comes? Well, I actually talked about this quite a bit on the Wednesday show that I had. Talked a lot about why I didn't think Stoops was going to be leaving anytime soon. And while I will say I like the resources at Miami, if he were to step into a job like that, I think he would have a lot of opportunity for immediate success. But the reason that I don't believe that he's going to be leaving Kentucky anytime soon is because of the stability and loyalty that he has to the program. At one point in 2016, he was 12 and 26. And then the athletic department said, we're going to ride it out with you. We're going to stick with you. And look at him now. He's 57 and 53. He's got the second best record in the SEC East over the past five seasons. He's tied with Florida. I believe they're both 38 and 23 right now. And he just beat Florida and LSU, albeit like we were talking about earlier, even though they're in down years. So, I like what he's got going with Kentucky right now. I think if I'm him, look, recruiting's been consistent. We're turning out pro prospects in the trenches. Guys want to come here to play here. They want to come and actually play for the University of Kentucky. There's actually a little bit of of excitement about it now. It's right. like, oh, I get to go play football at Kentucky. It's not just a basketball school anymore. The recruiting right? as well. I mean, I feel like the recruiting from when Stoops came in to where it is now. I mean, 2022 class, I think it's 14th after getting their recent commitment. And uh, Barry and Brown, I believe is his name, yeah. was the athlete out of uh, – um, I think he's from the South. But um, huge in the recruiting aspect. Is this season kind of uh, – what, what were the expectations for the Cats coming into the season? Does this game like kind of make or break expectations? What, what What's kind of the feel – for this game in the minds of Kentucky fans and the media. 
Well, for me personally, I actually had really high expectations of Kentucky. I was hanging out at SEC Media Days, just kind of soaking in all the different things that the coaches and stuff were talking about. And during that week, I, you know, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm looking at what Kentucky's bringing back. I'm listening to what the coaches and people are saying. And I am sitting there thinking, Kentucky's going to finish second in the East this season. And then that, that looks like it's going to happen. And here we are now, eight and three. It's been just an incredibly easy schedule that's kind of gotten them there. But the expectations for me, right, the expectations for me were they were going to handle business and finish second in the East. And then that happened. I think a lot of fans were maybe sitting a game under that. If you want to go by record, I think a lot of fans were projecting seven and five, eight and four. We didn't know what to expect out of Liam Cohen in this new offense. We didn't know if it was going to actually be able to take that next step. And the passing game was actually going to develop with Wondell Robinson transferring in to compliment Josh Ali, Chris Rodriguez. But it has. And I think the expectations now have risen just a little bit, but I don't know if they have by a lot. So whenever you look at a place like Miami, if you finish with those nine or ten wins, it certainly makes makes Stoops look like a a very, very nice candidate to go higher because of, again, like I was talking about earlier, the stability he's brought to the program at Kentucky. You, You would... I, I can imagine if you were a Miami fan, all you would want right now is some stability because they have been up and down and up and down over these past few years. So I think he's absolutely in the mix for a job like that. As for LSU or Florida, like you were saying earlier, I don't know if he's necessarily in the running for like the the, the LSU job or even the Florida job. I just don't know if he's a flashy enough of a name or flashy yeah. enough of a hire I think for he's those good, two programs. I still think he's a good coach. Like I said, LSU, I, I have an idea – um, of who they're going after. And, Is it Dave Aranda? No, it's not, actually. Well, it's not? Okay. Uh, for for a different time, I'll tell you after the recording, um, and it could happen pretty soon depending on what happens this weekend, but we will see um, how that kind of transpires. Um, but always great. Um, getting the opposite view of things, especially this big week, the Governor's Cup tomorrow, 7.30 kickoff. Talked a lot about Kentucky. Talked a lot about Louisville and their opposing offenses, how they compare the defenses as well, and what this means for both teams. Um, before we get out of here, I want to give a shout-out to the Locked on Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q with handicapping expert Lee Sterling's analysis. You can find that on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcast. Um, but that's going to wrap up this special crossover pod between the Locked On Louisville show and the Locked On Kentucky show. I'm Dalton Pence. He's Lance Dahl. And this has been a great crossover pod. Everyone have a great day. Go Cards, by the way. Go Wildcats. Definitely go Cards. Um, but that's going to wrap it up. Everyone have a great weekend. We'll see you right back here on Monday.